Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode number 186, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 3, New York's Finest. Hello, welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and here I am to get out of the way (laughs) for this episode anyway. Uh, you know, we're switching up our Netflix coverage a little bit. And part of that is just to allow us to have some breathing room so that we're not all recording every episode, even though I'll probably be recording the introductions to all the episodes, but that's easy to do. I just have to come in, say, hello, here I am saying it. Hello. And then, like I said, I'm just going to get out of the way, but I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on for this episode so that you do know what is coming at you. We are talking about season two of Daredevil, episode number three, and Stuart and Samantha will be providing the main discussion on that. And uh, past Ben and past Daniel will still have the recorded uh, voicemails that we did right right after we watched the Netflix series when we were first initially binge watching. And then I'll come back at the end with a comic book post-credit thing that is relevant to my interests and possibly relevant to yours. If it's not relevant to yours, it is at least relevant to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But we'll get to it. Those of you who know me and those of you who know uh, what comic books may have come out recently in March of 2017 might know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. But you know what? If you don't know me, stick around after the credits and you'll get to know me a little bit more. That said, it's time to turn things over to our initial reactions to this episode. So you're going to hear me talk about the episode from the past. Daniel talk about the episode from the past. And then Stuart and Samantha talking about the episode from sort of the present. (laughs) Depending on when you're listening to this podcast, of course. Uh, Time travel is hard. Opening statements. All right. The gavel has pounded. Here we are about to turn on the voicemail answering machine system thing. And as per usual, we are going to turn over the floor. I'm mixing metaphors, so I'm just going to stop now. I'm going to play Daniel's message first. Hi, agents. Agent Daniel here. I just got done watching Daredevil season two, episode three, New York's finest. And I find myself asking, is this my favorite episode? of Daredevil yet. I really, really, really enjoyed Foggy. His character moments are fantastic. It's time with Claire to be able to see the interplay. And again, to be reminded, unlike sometimes in the comic books, Foggy is really capable. He's really smart. He's really a good guy. I really, again, really, really like Foggy. And I enjoy him immensely in this episode. Um, 
it was a good time just watching him be able to show that he can use his mind to get out of problems. But I will admit, I did, I did enjoy, you know, Frank and Red up on top of the roof having that conversation, talking about morals and ethics. And I also did somewhat enjoy the the hallway fight. He does love a good hallway fight. Um, but I really think New York's Finest may have been my favorite episode to date of Daredevil. So I'm uh, pretty excited there. Um, I wonder what's next for me. Peace out later. Bye. Hot mess. Boom. <laughs> so there's Daniel from the past with his phrases that if you haven't listened to old episodes of Welcome to Level 7, you may not understand why I'm chuckling a little bit, but um, that's Daniel, my partner, who helped me start this podcast, calling in, still a part of the show, and I've got calls from him for all of our Netflix stuff. I'm not sure how they're going to get used in the future, but I'm, I can't wait to listen to them because I'm just glad to have him there, and yeah. <laughs> And someone's got to say those phrases and make me shake my head. And Daniel's the one to do it. That said, sounds like he and I are both on the foggy bandwagon. Love that guy. And I think I remember loving the episode. I loved it this time around, but let's find out if I loved it last time around or first time around. Whatever. (laughs) Time to play that message. Hello, future Ben, and hello, Daniel. Uh, I don't know if you're going to end up hearing this, Daniel, or, or not. Um, I know what our plans were for what's going on, so I, I just feel so lost. I, I feel like I don't have anyone in the future who appreciates me and, and knows me. Um, and, and whoever is there with future Ben, I don't even know if they're going to hear this. Or, I don't know what the structure is going to I, I can't predict the future. I, I don't know what's happening. I. It's time for me to focus on the now. Focus on the now. Me. Present me. Focus on the now. And what's on the now? It's this episode. And I have to say, man, I totally expected when Daredevil was down for Punisher to go after him and for Daredevil to say, Martha. Martha. Yeah, and 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 that's all I'm going to say about that. But I mean, there's definitely this is the year for hero versus hero, hero versus hero, Daredevil versus Punisher. Punisher clearly the bad guy in the Daredevil series up until this point. Clearly, he's the bad guy. I mean, he is a not good. But at the same time, he has the stronger argument. Daredevil doesn't have an argument to stand on. Daredevil can, I mean, he, he he talks about hope. He talks about the possibility for someone to reform. He talks about letting the government, letting the law take care of things. But how does the law take their, care of things? We have Reyes in there. I mean, the representative of the law is Reyes. And who is Reyes? She is Punisher with official sanction. She is Punisher with a law degree. Uh, she... And then the whole idea, you're just one bad day away from being me. Isn't that a Batman thing? I'm pretty sure that's a Batman thing. Future Ben, I hope you have talked and or looked into, found someone who knows what they're talking about that they can tell you if that was 
a Batman thing. It seems like Joker said that to Batman. You're just one de- bad day away from being me. But here we are with Punisher fighting Daredevil. Here we are with the primary antagonist being a quote-unquote protagonist, being a hero. And the difference being with Punisher, he is he's not been touted necessarily as a uh, well, definitely not as a superhero, but as, as a hero. But you have Batman versus Superman, you have Iron Man versus Captain America, and you have Daredevil versus Punisher. The person, the persons, I should say, who are both trying to get the same result, but they go about it in a different way. And that's, I mean, I mean there's a lot more to talk about with this episode, especially like that fight and stuff, but I know that I'm running out of time, and I know that you don't have any grace for me. I, I guess I could have some hope. Well, 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 past Ben, I just so happen to know what you're talking about when you are referencing Joker, because in the back of your mind, back there in the past, you were thinking, I've heard something like this before. And guess what? You're right. You did hear something about this before when you past Ben were double past Ben for me, Uh, both of us in our past have heard that phrase before. Now, this comes from, just to give some context, uh, this comes from the scene on the the rooftop where Punisher and Daredevil are having their philosophical battle. And that's good. I mean, it's great having them go head-to-head with fists and head-to-head with philosophy. It's... This is what makes Daredevil season two for me, from what I remember. I mean, I haven't, it's been a while since I've watched the episodes after this, but for me, this is what makes it kind of a cool thing. But uh, here is where you get Matt Murdock, lawyer, is wearing the costume and using the words to fight the battle. I think you get what, the idea of what I'm saying. I hope you do. But the, the context of this is uh, this speech that Punisher gives. Daredevil. He says, somebody asked you to put on that costume or you take it up yourself. You know what I think of you, hero? I think you're a half measure. I think you're a man who just can't finish the job. I think you're a coward. You know, one thing that you just can't see, you know, you're one bad day from being me. And I do not know if this is intended to be a reference, but this is kind of coming from Batman, the killing joke. And I just so happen to have it in my hands right here, and I am going to read the Joker's speech that is very similar. Uh, Batman and Joker are having a philosophical <laughs> confrontation as well, and Joker is taunting Batman as Batman is going through a fun house, and he says, So I see you received the free ticket I sent you. I'm glad I did so want you to be here. You see, it doesn't matter if you catch me and send me back to the asylum. Gordon's been driven mad. I've proved my point. I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy. That's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. You had a bad day once, am I right? I know I am. I can tell. You had a bad day and everything changed. Why else would you dress up like a flying rat? You had a bad day and it drove you as crazy as everybody else, only you won't admit it. You have to keep pretending that life makes sense, that there's some point to all this struggling. And so that is Joker's similar confrontation with Batman. Um, you know, who who wore it better? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it's different. You know, Punisher is coming here and he is saying, 
I take things all the way, you take things halfway. And that's where this comes from. But I, I'm trying to figure out in my mind right now, like, were they intentionally referencing the one bad day thing? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But there is some merit to that line of, you know, an event changes you. One bad day can change your life. You know, one phone call, one knock at the door, uh, one moment on the road and everything changes. And the question is, what do you do with it? And so, yeah, anyway, I'm going to turn things over now to uh, Stuart and Samantha. I'll come back at the end and then um, post credit. Join me for some comic book talk that is MCU related and not because Agent Coulson is in there. Nope. It's just, well, you'll see when we get there. What I'm curious about now is how much of a when the cat's away, the mice will play kind of a situation we're going to get with Stuart and Samantha. <laughs> Case evidence. Hey, it's time to talk about Daredevil now. Yes, let's talk about Daredevil. Again. Uh, okay, I was going to say, this is Samantha. And this is Stuart. And you know who's not here? Ben. Ben. We have Burger. stolen the show again, Samantha. <laughs> oh, what can we do? What can we do? Oh, we could talk about Daredevil. Or we could talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about Star Trek. We can talk about how... Ooh, there! I do actually have a Star Trek reference. Okay, all right. Yeah, so we can get around to it. Okay. Okay. So, do you want to okay. do the uh, recap? Following Grotto's disappearance during the failed police sting, Daredevil wakes up to find himself chained on the roof of an apartment building by the Punisher, and they argue the ethics of vigilante justice. In the meantime, Karen and Foggy fight to save the firm from the DA Reyes's legal ma- maneuvers. Um, following this, the failed sting. So, do you have anything you want to put in? The, the, that, that's the entire recap of the episode? Yeah, I'm not going to go through scene by scene. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there we go. We're done. So, for me, the, the, the point of this uh, episode is the, the conversation that Punisher and Daredevil have on the, um, on the, uh, on the rooftop. <laughs> After the uh, they have this conversation and um, Grotto's missing, but Punisher finds him and brings yeah. him to Matt and and tells Matt all of the bad things that Grotto has done. And Matt wakes up again after being knocked out because really he's kind of a wuss in this situation. He's just getting knocked out left and right. He wakes up with a gun. um duct taped to his hand with one bullet in it. And so Punisher says, okay, you got to pull the trigger on one of us. And um, Matt's like, I don't want to pull the trigger on either of you guys because Grotto's my client and I can't really kill my client. And you're seeming like a good guy, but you're kind of strange. And I don't want to pull the trigger on you because then you (laughs) just make me, you just prove me right. And so then they do some um, Kirk, uh, mumbo jumbo linguistics and finally daredevil shoots his chains and then gets away meantime <laughs> the punisher has decided to um start a big fight with the dogs of hell 
And so he goes up to across the roof and he shoots their bikes and the bikes explode. And so then what happens is, <laughs> then what happens is, um, Daredevil beats down Punisher and Punisher's down for the count. And, um, Daredevil's trying to escape him because he knows the dogs of hell are going to like kill him. And he doesn't want to see the Punisher killed because then our season would be like nothing. And so. He takes him downstairs and he puts him in an elevator and then Daredevil walks down the stairs and puts the smack down on some dogs of hell in an epic one take, mostly one take. I saw the cut, but an epic <laughs> one take um, shot where they, you know, travel down the staircase and Daredevil has the has the gun and you know still duct taped to his hand and he's beating people left and right and he's got the chain in the other hand just whipping people and he's knocking the lights off ah it's amazing finally gets down to the bottom and he's up against the two the you know the big bosses right so you get down to the you get down to the boss level and punisher wakes up and is able to shoot the bosses and I don't know if they're the dogs of hell bosses. I'm using the video game terminology. So go <laughs> with me here, people. And so Punisher and Daredevil are on the same side seemingly for a little bit. It ends with um, Punisher escaping that scene after killing the two bosses. Mm -hmm. Like it's a video game and it was awesome anyways. And then they cut over to Karen and she pulls out from the Punisher files. She pulls out the x-ray of Frank Castle's head with a bullet hole. Oh, okay. So then the other thing that happens. So while you, you, we're going to have to talk about your recap skills. I'm just saying, Samantha. Okay. <laughs> so then what happens? So while, while Matt and Punisher are off, you know, having this epic fight scene, Karen is doing some sleuthing. She is like one step removed from um, Benedict Cumberbatch, who's Dr. Strange or Sherlock. I don't know. Depends so, on the day. Depends on the day, right? <laughs> um, and so what she's discovered is that D.A. Reyes is kind of dirty. And she goes to confront her little lackey guy. And her lackey guy is like, hey. Oh, he has a name. He has a name. I have it written down. Tow Blake Tower. Okay. Mr. Tower. And he's like, hey, lady, I don't want any of your craziness. And he hands her this file. I have that written down because I love that moment. This would have been the thing to include in your recap, but go ahead. Go well, I was going to get there when we talked about the characters, okay? <laughs> okay. So anyway, that that's we're going to bury that lead, and we'll get back to it in a minute. Anyway, so he gives her this file and says, I don't ever want to hear from you again. And that's the file that she goes through. And she's looking, and she sees this uh, a bullet hole in his skull. Um, well. While we're on the trail, let's talk about Foggy, because he has his own little storyline. Mm -hmm. What's his storyline? He goes to the ER to find Matt. That's and he keeps calling Matt, and he, and he does talk to Grotto on the phone while he's in the ER. And there's my plot hole, because, you know, how could the Punisher track down Grotto when he's busy on the roof talking to Daredevil? Plutonium. Uh, plutonium? No, Plotonium. Plotonium. Okay. Anyways. So Foggy goes to the ER looking for Daredevil. He finds Karen. Karen's like, I haven't seen him in a while. I've been tangling with this big other big dude who's bigger and stronger than 
then uh, Daredevil, um, and that is a Luke Cage reference uh, when he appeared in um, in uh, Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, and they end up going toe to toe with some thugs who are battling it out in the ER, and Foggy comes in as Rhetoric Man. I, I consider Foggy to be a superhero. Because rhetoric, rhetoric is his superpower, and he is able to talk them down by appealing to their selfish natures. He is good yeah. at that, too. He is very oh, good at that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he talked himself in and out of a dangerous biker bar, mm-hmm. and he's lived to tell the tale with only a couple of bruises. I mean, mm-hmm. and then he gets in and out of this situation. He is a really good lawyer. He's a very good I, lawyer. And, yeah, in any situation, he can talk himself in and out of it as needed. Which is why I want to dub his superhero name Rhetoric Man. There it is. It's done. It's done. <laughs> it's done. He meets um, the Night Nurse, who's not Night Nurse, because Night Nurse is in Doctor Strange. Uh, what's? But her name's not Karen. What's her name? Claire. Claire. Anyway, Sorry. Rosario Dawson, who's amazing in this. Um, yet again, awesome Rosario Dawson. Uh, Always amazing. Always. So I think that's the episode. It's not linear. Right. <laughs> it's corporeal, not linear. Um, or corporeal is linear. I don't know. That's a little DS9 for you there. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so let's let's look at let's look at Ben's grid. Um what do we like about the story in this one? Well, here comes my Star Trek reference. When you talk about the sequence between um the Punisher and Daredevil, mm-hmm. it's very much like a ship in a bottle episode of Star Trek. Up until that fight sequence, it all takes place on the roof. Hmm. Okay. So the the, the reference you're making is the ship in the bottle um, episode is typically right. one that is filmed on set rather than on um, newly created sets. It's 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 a episode that or, is filmed on already created sets to save on money, and typically it has like you know very minimal cast and it's like one room or a couple of sets and it doesn't go anywhere. And it's very, um, typically these episodes are very like heady. Um, you got to think of, you know, they, they cause you to think episodes. Um, so is that, is that kind of where you're going with that? Exactly. But instead of on a spaceship, they're on a New York city roof, which I had a hard time telling if this was a real New York city roof or if it was a set, I'm thinking it was a set, but it was a really, really well constructed set with really convincing background. It would be very hard to film that on location. I think, I mean, I don't know if you're listening to this and you were on the, uh, on the daredevil set, you need to be calling us. Yeah. (laughs) It could have been filmed on location. It very well could have been, but I'm thinking there's a good chance it was a set. I feel like it was a set too. Yeah. But, um, because there are other, roof sequences later on and they could easily added in things mm-hmm. to change the look. Mm-hmm. Um, I do th- I do agree with you though. This is, this is, there's a lot of message in this scene. You know, there's a lot of questions being asked about vigilantism and morality and who should take the law into their own hands and who shouldn't. And if you do take the law into your own hands, what does that get you? And, what does it get society? And if we're superheroes and we take the law into our own hands, how does that help the cops downstairs? You know, that sort of thing. 
And we will we will address this, I think, in the next episode, but we'll get to it then. Well, Don't worry. It, it's also I mean, it's a theme that is w- without getting into too much about the next the rest of the season. And, and this is really isn't that. But even in like the Avengers or, you know, the big movies, there's still this question of. Are you guys above the law? Are our superheroes, you know, is just because I I have a bunch of money and I can make a fancy suit, does that mean I'm above the law? I mean, that was in Iron Man two, the greatest right. Iron Man ever. I feel like <laughs> Daniel's here. Is Daniel here? Um, so is he I, is he channeling through you? Ooh, he that's might scary. Be. He might be. Um, but I mean, even that was in Jessica Jones with the with the um with the the lady the family who got their kids killed or something like that. Right. um, Right. 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 So that's not something new. What I really like about daredevil is that especially this season with Punisher is Punisher is obviously punishing people um, for crimes that are horrific. Let's not, let's not, you know, gloss that over and say he's just doing it. I mean, he, he has this moral code. We've talked about that before and he wants to see people come to, come to justice for it. The problem is it's his justice rather than society's justice. And if he goes around killing people willy nilly, even though that they deserve it, seemingly, um, where does that put him in a proper society? And, this is something that has been asked of, you know, Daredevil, and it's also something that is asked of, you know, they're, they're applying the same questions to to Punisher, and they're they're dealing with some of the same things. So it's, that's really interesting. Right. One thing I noticed is there's a question of, you know, are outlaws truly wholly evil? You know, it, um, Punisher sees them as being very as the situation is being very black and white, where uh, Daredevil sees that there's a gray in the middle between the two that even though that they do evil things that they are still human beings and they have families at home and um, they do have good sides to them. Um, And the ironic thing about Punisher seeing only in black and white is that he lives himself uh, in a gray middle where is he, is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? And that's, that leaves him as an anti-hero as opposed to a hero. Yes, I'll agree to that. He's very much an anti-hero. He doesn't allow the law to be the law. He right. becomes the law. Right. Uh, another theme that they talked about was what is their sense of purpose and who are they when they get home and they leave the the violence and the danger behind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I think that's where Punisher and, and daredevil um split ways i don't think punisher turns it off i think matt slash daredevil can i think he tries but often one side or the other latches onto him so he he tries to leave it behind but he he can't so we kind of bled into characters a little bit there uh, you said you had something about mr tower Go ahead and talk about that now. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it a little bit. There's a very specific point and what he says versus what he does contradict mm-hmm. each other. Karen comes in and says, hey, your boss is really corrupt. 
And she's going to throw you to the wolves if things keep going the way they are, just so she can save her own skin. He he gets a little upset about it, and he says, oh, I'm going to go down to security right now. And he picks up a folder, and he says, I don't ever want to see you again. And then he hands her the Punisher's binder with all of his information from the DA. Right. And I feel like this is an extension or more character development of Karen after what she encountered with Ben in the first season, um, where, you know, he kind of taught her how to be an investigative reporter, um, an investigator anyway. And so she's, she's learned, she's taking some of those cues from him and that that's kind of cool to see. Right. And this also is character development for, as far as we can see for Blake tower, which I have a feeling we will see him more. I honestly can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, as we keep going, yeah, we'll we'll just put a pin in this, and as we keep going, because the entire season two is just one big blob in my head. I cannot distinguish one episode from another. Look, <laughs> all of these dare, all of these Netflix series are so that's yeah. Like, I mean, that's the the thing about watching binge TV these days, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we had plot character style what did you think of the style on this one very film noir yes the the whole season is film noir i mean that one take shot in the stairwell was just fantastic and Mm -hmm. i and as i was watching this one i was thinking to myself you know what i haven't seen in season two very much is like that gritty you know single camera shot i mean it was all over season one um and you know, I'm a film nerd. You're a film nerd. Yes. Ben is a film nerd. I'm assuming that all of us kind of go, oh, it's a one take. Because that's kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like the, you know, the the thing. If you can, if you can accomplish a well done one take shot, you are, uh, you are, you know, God amongst men sort of thing. All right. Um, Citizen no, it's not Citizen Kane. It's um, Touch of Evil. If you haven't seen the beginning of Touch of Evil, watch the beginning of Touch of Evil. Not Great only movie. for Charlton Heston as a Mexican. <laughs> Daredevil, Matt, has been trained in, I think it's a mixture of jujitsu and judo. It's not uncommon for people who practice one style to also have learned another. Um which are from Japan and Japan is for its movies are very famous for their samurai films. Mm-hmm. And you take a, a detective noir story and easily turn it into a samurai movie or a Western, mm-hmm. which is one thing I just love about these three genres is you can, they, they basically follow the same story. It's just, they have very different, very different eras. Mm-hmm. You can also take a samurai movie and turn it into a sci-fi movie. Well, yeah. fantasy. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the stuff that really gets me giddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it, and in that, this this shot, this, this you know, going down the staircase is very well done. Um, mm-hmm. And the style of these of these episodes are very, uh, very good. Um, it reminds me a lot of the one shot that we had last season where he's trying to go down the hall and get the kid, uh, but he has to fight all the bad guys first. I, and I think it was at the end of season, episode two or three last season. Yeah, it was early last season. I, yeah. I feel like that might have been better um, because, like I said, I did see the cut and I did see a little bit of – I felt there was a little 
I could be wrong. Again, if you're listening to this and you worked on this, A, what a great honor, and B, you need to be calling. Um, <laughs> uh, but I do feel like there was a little bit of digital manipulation. I felt like I could see that. I could be wrong. I did, I did pick up one very specific cut, and that's when he's trying to close the door, but it pops back open, and there is a definite cut there, but it's like a jump take cut to, for, to, to, uh, emphasize the shock of the door opening back up. Mm-hmm. It, it was a well-placed cut. Yes. And if it shocks you, you may not really notice it because you're still emotionally reeling from the suddenness of the door opening. Right, right. Right. Um, or was it closing? I can't remember. I just I, watched this a few minutes ago. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, themes. Got any themes on this one? Themes. Oh, I've already gone over them. Um, the black and white nature versus mm. the gray nature of, of Daredevil versus Punisher or vice versa. I might have mixed them up in that sentence. Um, the line between hero and anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, the sense of purpose of what keeps you going. As a vigilante. Um, who are these people when they go home at night or in the morning? However you want to slice it. Um, and also, and this is an early one. Um, can our heroes just walk away from the roles that they've established themselves in in Hell's Kitchen? Mm-hmm. I also think that there's a little bit of there's always an option C. Just because somebody presents you with A and B does not mean you can't take option C. Um, uh, which is? Which was, in this case, him shooting the um, the chains and then fighting his way out. Um. Um, because he was given, you got to shoot one or the other, you got to shoot one or the other. And so if everybody keeps telling you, you got to do something, you got to do something, you got to do something, maybe you don't necessarily have to do that thing. Maybe you can do something else. Um, right. Maybe you can jump off an aircraft carrier and get uh, whisked away to New Jersey. That's my second National <laughs> Treasure reference in as many episodes. So if you're keeping track at home, yeah. I'm, Have I'm, fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'll make another one, but who knows? There's another episode. Um, well, since he's had uh, – since Daredevil Matt has had the martial arts training – um, that's actually a very common um, philosophy behind martial arts is you want to use your martial arts to stop a situation before somebody gets hurt or killed. Mm-hmm. I, Aikido, what I practice, it's um, it's always defense, defense, defense. You're, you're using what you know and your abilities to stop someone who's attacking you, whereas jujitsu and judo, it takes a, um, a, an approach of offense is your best defense, which I don't disagree with either point. Um, truly, the whole point of all, all all of these styles is to stop someone from hurting you, yourself, and from hurting themselves as well. It's mostly Aikido, though. And Well, and I feel like that's a good... Like, you could expand that to Daredevil and Punisher, right? Daredevil right. wants... Keep the city safe. If he was truly out to punish people, he would have killed Turk a long time ago. Right. And he would well, he would have killed Fisk last season instead of putting him in sending jail. him off. Yeah, instead of putting him in jail. Right. So, and Punisher is clearly in that, look, there's problems. We've got to take care of them, and we've got to have a strong offense we've got to you know strike while the iron's hot and and make sure they know we're the boss and and all that sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. that's very exhausting 
Okay, so we're down to ratings. Ratings. How many broken lights do you give this episode? With broken with a chain <laughs> lights, do you give this episode? Hmm. Well, once the you you can't divide up those broken lights so easily because once it's broken, it can't work anymore. It's not like a pie. That's true, but you could do like broken is like light bulbs, and so then you'd have a bunch of shards of glass. Okay, that's true. <laughs> like I'll get I'll get you there wherever you want to go. <laughs> it's definitely a four 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 out of five. You're, you're you're doing Ben and Daniel solid four. Yes, solid four. Did you <laughs> not to pull up the past? But do you remember in Jessica Jones where every episode was a solid four? Yeah, it's because it's the, the entire show is a solid four. It's wonderful. It, it is a wonderful it's a wonderful show. Well, it's it's hard to swallow, but it's really good at the same time. You oh, know? No, it's very well done. It's disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> and the, and to be fair, Daredevil is also very well done, but not as disturbing because um, it's not as intimate. Um, right. I am going to give it four point two stars. No, four point two <laughs> broken lights. So it's four broken lights plus he like knocked you know part of the filament out. Or something. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Uh, so now we're going to throw it over to Ben, who's got feedback. Okay. Have fun with that, Ben. Yes. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Final verdict. Thanks, Stuart and Samantha. And yeah, uh, as you could tell from the bumper, this is not the feedback segment because, again, because of the nature of what we're doing here, le there's less feedback here for, for Daredevil Season 2. Uh, but just to remind you, once again, you can call us at one seven seven five five level 7 That's 7755-LEVEL-7. And let us have some feedback if you so choose. We would appreciate it. We would love it. And we do... Um, you know what? We appreciate and love you. And that was a little more mushy than I intended it to be. So... My final verdict is uh, out of five broken lights. Uh, thank you for coming up for with that for us, uh, Stuart. Uh, out of five broken lights, I give this episode four and a half. Uh, not quite the perfect episode, but so, so close. I mean, this episode could have been a stage play in a lot of ways. And it works that way. And it is, you know, that he has two choices. And this is that, again, going back to the DC universe of movies, but he has two choices. Superman does. What does he do? Does he let Zod kill people or does he kill Zod? And while I appreciate and understand the decision that that Superman makes in that movie, we can talk about it another time if you want to, dear listener. But while I appreciate and understand the choice Superman makes in that movie, Superman stories, the Superman character that I really like and that I really resound with is when you have a Superman who finds a way. And this was Daredevil's way of finding a way. He's given two choices. Shoot me, shoot him. If you don't shoot him, you got to shoot me because I'm going to shoot him or whatever. Daredevil, Daredevil finds a third way, a third choice, a third solution from the ones that he's given. And that's, again, that's kind of a hallmark of, uh, to me, 
uh, being a hero is when you're facing the no win scenario. So there, here I am throwing down my own Star Trek reference. But when you're facing the no win scenario and thinking creatively to get out of it. So, yeah. Anyway, 4.5 broken lights out of five. That's it then. That's the show. That's Daredevil season three. No, season two, episode three. And yeah, so this is it. This is done. And so now I'm going to um, actually uh, wrap this up. And after I record the post credit scene, I'm going to go to bed. And I just hope I don't do any more sleepwalking. Because what happened last time I did some sleepwalking, I didn't remember a thing that I was doing. That's what happens when you're sleepwalking is that you don't remember what you're doing. And so I had to ask my wife. I said, I said, wife, what, what, what did I do? What did I do? What's going on when I'm sleepwalking? And she said to me, you're running around the city in a pair of little boys pajamas and a mask. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Those of you who know me know I love swamp monsters. And those of you who don't know me, now you know. And you might say, that explains so much. And you might say, why? And you might say, me too. And you might say, which one? Man thing or swamp thing? And honestly, the answer to that last question is both. I love man thing, swamp thing, heap. I collect certain comics that have a great, uh, you know, the anthology horror comics have great swamp monster kind of themed covers and every once in a while those short stories are really good every once in a while they're really horrible most of the time they're just kind of mediocre but the artwork on the cover is usually something that's really cool really special and so this we've talked about this before but man thing number one came out and i'm not going to do coverage about the man thing comic here i am planning on doing coverage about the man thing comic over at comic book time machine if you are so inclined head on over there and uh, I, I'm hoping to do a more thorough review of this comic. I haven't done it yet, but uh, there are lots of other things over there that are relevant to your interest. But what makes Man Thing number one relevant to the MCU fans' interest? Well, it's uh, the fact that Man Thing number one takes place in Hollywood. <laughs> and I thought 
that I had seen something where it said that the man thing comic would be about him traveling to Hollywood, almost like a road trip kind of thing to find out why they aren't making his movie. Now, some of you also know that I hated, 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 hated the man thing movie that uh, was made. I can't even remember who made it. I don't remember what co- production companies were involved in it. It was aired on sci-fi. That's how it w- debuted here in the States, but I hated it. I could not, I, I watched it once. It just made me sullen and surly, not angry, just depressed because it just wasn't very good. I mean, they reference some stuff in it. Like Steve Gerber gets a nice little reference. I mean, he's, he's the guy who made the man thing what he was. He didn't, he's not the creator, but he, he made the man thing what he was. And, and they reference a couple stories that are actually really super classic stories from the man thing, uh, lore, but they do it terribly. And it, it's just not a very good movie. I don't recommend it to anyone. It upsets me because it could have been so good, but at the same time, who cares? It's it's not that big of a deal. I've got Man Thing comics, and yeah. So anyway, this comic is different, and I have said that I am not a fan of Howard the Duck comics that are not written by Steve Gerber, and that is true. I'm not interested. There's been a number of them, and none of them have lived up to what Steve Gerber was doing with the Howard the Duck character. Man thing is a different story. There've been some good ones. And so this comic here, uh, why is this? Well, first of all, an introduction to the character man thing as a character is a swamp monster who became a swamp monster because he injected himself with the super soldier serum because he was hiding the serum from bad guys who were going to take it and use it for evil. He destroyed the the formula. The the only copy of the formula was in his head. Does that sound familiar? But instead of the only person who or the only trace of the super soldier serum for Captain America is in Steve Rogers' body. In this case, it's in Ted Salas's body. And so we find out here, this is not a road trip. The movie is already in production. And so then we get this conversation with Man-Thing who can talk. It's a long story. I don't even know the whole story about why he can talk, but it's a whole long story about why he wouldn't be able to talk. So I'm not going to get into that. But uh, he goes in to talk to the producer, Heck Haywood, (laughs) studio development director. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of read through the conversation here because it's kind of funny, but this is what's relevant to your interests. A Man-Thing says, you wanted to see me, Mr. Haywood? Yes, come in. What do I call you? Thing? Mr. Man-Thing? Manny? Call me Ted. That's my name, Ted Salas. Well, come in, Ted, but please don't sit on the couch. I just had it reupholstered. I have some new ideas for the centipede centipede fight I want to run past you. That can wait. I got your focus group results. We tested in three cities. I don't want to bring bad news, but my numbers weren't good. The likability scores really bite, especially with young people. You frightened the children, Ted. Maybe I could redo my look, do an upgrade. A good stylist should help. Maybe add a little bling. Some people threw up in their seats. You made them sick, Ted. Let me be frank. The studio is stooping as low as we can to find heroes for our movies. But we can't use you. You're a nice guy, but you're sickening. I came a long way to get here, Mr. Haywood. I had to recover my ability to speak. I had to recover my memory. 
I feel your pain. I mean it sincerely. Careful, you're dripping on my new carpet. It's Italian silk. I spent everything I had to come to Burbank from the swamp. Do you think you could at least fly me back in your corporate jet? Sorry, it's being used by Ant-Man and his entourage. Ant-Man, that no-talent bug. Hey, I gotta take this call, Ted. Wish you the best. See Anita on the way out, and she'll validate your parking. Okay, so that's the scene, and it's just... Here it is. It's a fun little thing. They're talking about why Man-Thing can't have his own movie. It goes on from there. He leaves and has to go, and he's having a bad day. You know, he's just one bad day from (laughs) being a really bad swamp monster instead of a good one. But... Anyway, that's what's relevant to the cinematic universe fans' interest. And I'll say this, just my brief overview is it's not bad. It's not great. It's written by R.L. Stein, And there's some just kind of dumb jokes in it that I don't know. Uh, they're just they're just kind of dumb. Like the one about, you're, you're dripping on the, the, it's Italian silk, you know, that kind of thing. And there's another joke where a bad guy is about to have his car thrown into the river or into the swamp and as as man thing is getting ready to throw out the bad guy says can't we talk about this i don't know how to swim <laughs> i mean it's it's 80s action tv show kind of humor uh, not very sophisticated so anyway that's my brief review that's our post-credit sequence thank you once again for listening and godspeed <laughs>